Hey church, it's Pastor Justin here. I'm so excited to be bringing you today's message. We're continuing our series, The Miracles of Jesus. And if you missed the past few weeks, you can catch up on our series on YouTube, Facebook, or our website. And I want to give a shout out to everyone watching right now. If you're watching right now, I want to challenge you to share this video on your page right now. Just click the share button or host a watch party. We are on a mission as a church to reach as many people for God as we can. And this is just one small way among many that we accomplish that mission. Now, I don't know how much life has actually changed for you over the past eight weeks, but I'm curious, as we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel of this quarantine, what are you looking forward to the most when things get back to normal? Go ahead and type it in the comment section and let us know. For me, there's a lot of things I'm excited for, but one of my guilty pleasures is ice cream. I'm talking like Cowan's ice cream, you know, the coffee flavor they have, and going on a drive down by the river with the windows rolled down. I mean, for some reason, that just sounds amazing right now. I'm also excited to go to the States where both mine and my wife's families live, and I'm excited for my grandma to meet her first great-granddaughter in the family. I'm excited to see my family and Hannah's family, period. I mean, I could give you a whole list of things I'm ready for. And I'm sure you have lists too. Things you'll do, places you'll go, people you'll have over to your house. The reality is we have, we have all been affected by this season of quarantine, and, and some more than others. But can we just be honest right now? The struggle of this quarantine is real. I just read how anxiety rates have skyrocketed over the past eight weeks, how uh, depression medicine production is up by 35%. Fear, financial stress, PTSD are all a part of the conversation and more real now than ever. And quarantine is taking its toll on every single one of us. And, and I think a lot of us are asking, when will things get back to normal? I was reading this week in the book of Matthew and as I was reading, I, I couldn't help but draw parallels to our current situation from Scripture. I was reading in Matthew 26 about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in this passage, we find Jesus just hours away from his trial and crucifixion. Like this is what his life and ministry has been building towards. You know, this moment where he's going to suffer and die in our place, taking on the sins of the entire world so that we can have a relationship with God. Now, up to this point... As we've seen over the past few weeks, Jesus' miracles have been incredible. His disciples have watched him stop a storm with his voice. They've watched him raise dead people back to life. They've watched him cast out demons. And his disciples, like many in Jesus' day, they thought Jesus as the Messiah was going to come and he was going to establish this earthly reign. Like his ministry was building towards this point where he'd overthrow the Roman government and restore Israel to its rightful place as God's chosen people. And by all accounts, it probably seemed like it was moving in that direction. You know, thousands of people following him, his name being known everywhere, people shouting as he entered the capital city of Israel. They, they shout things like, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In fact, just before this, a few of his disciples come to Jesus and they ask him if they can sit beside him on his throne, you know, be his number one and number two in this earthly reign. But everything comes to a head in this moment in Matthew 26. And what the disciples thought was the plan wasn't the whole plan. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 44 says this, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over to pray. 
He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want to pause there. Jesus says his soul is crushed to the point of death. In Luke's gospel, he actually tells us that Jesus was so overwhelmed in this moment that he started sweating blood which I I know sounds crazy, but it's an actual medical condition called hematohydrosis. You won't believe how many times I've practiced saying that into the camera. Hematohydrosis. And this basically occurs when someone has such extreme levels of stress and anxiety that it causes the weight of the stress and anxiety to constrict the blood vessels and send the blood out through the sweat glands. Jesus is so stressed and anxious about his coming death that he sweats blood. And it's like the disciples don't get this. Like your boy is sweating blood, crying, and in anguish. And as we're about to find out, they're all taking a nap. It says in verse 40, Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinner. Up. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Jesus is in blood, sweat, and tears. And he's had all this resolve this whole time, and and now he's crushed by the weight of his calling. And it's in this moment that the disciples are beginning to see, you know, as his betrayer comes to arrest him, that they only grasp part of the picture of Jesus' mission. He wasn't on a mission to establish an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one. And maybe you're thinking, we've read about how Jesus performs these miraculous signs. So, you know, why can't he do that here? Like Jesus could have easily taken himself down from the cross, called down fire and brimstone on his enemies and established that earthly kingdom. And maybe you're like, oh, Pastor Justin, this is a great application piece. Since God is a God of miracles and all powerful, why can't he just intervene and eradicate COVID? Why can't he just return life back to the way it was? to normal. I think there's an important lesson in here that we need to understand. That yes, sometimes God shows his power through miracles, through calming the wind and waves, through healing people of illness, through delivering people from chains of addiction and poverty and even death. Sometimes though, God doesn't show his power through miracles, from those mountaintop experiences, but through the grace he gives us in the valleys. Sometimes he doesn't save us from the struggle, but as we talked about in our unshakable series this fall, sometimes he saves us through the struggle. Jesus could have easily rescued himself, called down fire in in that moment when they came to arrest him. He could have easily avoided the cross altogether, but it's only through the struggle, through Jesus's death and resurrection, 
that we're healed and that we have new life in him. I want to propose something that might be a little uncomfortable for you. Maybe before COVID, you had habits and ways of living and ways of operating that you deem normal that weren't necessarily healthy. Like, for example, some of us, we love to work and we work 45 and 50 and 60 hours a week. And, and that took you away from family and friends. There's always an excuse, another meeting to attend to, another project. And then COVID hit. And you have all the time in the world to spend with your family now. Some of us, we, we spent too much time going from activity to activity and we're burning ourselves out and burning our family out. And this is the first time in a long time we've slowed down and been still. Some, some people spent a lot of time with the wrong group of people. People that were a bad influence on you. You know, people that didn't encourage you or, um, or strengthen you the way you needed to. And then COVID hit. And those people are out of your life. Some spent money on things you shouldn't or in ways that you shouldn't. And it's not until you don't have it that you've had to reset and reprioritize. See, for many of us, normal wasn't exactly healthy. What I'm proposing is that while I don't believe God caused COVID, maybe he doesn't want us to return back to normal because there were aspects of normal that weren't actually healthy. Maybe in this time of struggle and uncertainty, God is preparing you and I for, for a new normal. Like maybe God isn't saving us from this struggle. He's saving us through it. The Garden of Gethsemane seems too perfect a place for Jesus to be praying this prayer. Gethsemane actually means all oppress. And for a first century Jew, they would have pictured uh, a heavy stone that was used to crush and roll over the olives grown in Gethsemane. And in that pressing and crushing, the good stuff would come out. You know, the olive oil. And, and olive oil was essential before essential oils were even around. Like not only was it used in food and cooking, but for lighting and offerings and ointment and, and anointment. But to get to that point of the rich stuff, of the olive oil, it took time. In fact, it took years. The, the seed would be placed in the ground where no one could see it. And it would go through the germination process it was re, as it was reconfigured and, and changed shape and twisted itself as the roots, roots reached out into the soil. And it, it can actually take a, an olive tree anywhere from 6 to 80 years to grow, depending on the type of olive tree. And as it grew, if you were a good gardener, you would prune the branches. So you'd cut off the things that aren't producing or that are hindering other branches from growing to make way for new, stronger branches that would bear more fruit. What's amazing is that through that process of planting, pruning, and growing, it takes a lot of time. But when an olive tree produces fruit, it produces fruit for hundreds of years to come. In fact, if you go to the Garden of Gethsemane today, you'll see trees that are 900 years old. The struggle of quarantine is painful. And it feels like it's taking so much time. And yet, I believe if we let it, it may be the very place where God is preparing us for a new normal. Where God is using this time to prune us, to cut away the things that keep us from truly living the life he has for us. So my question for you today is, what is he saving you from? What is he pruning off of you in this season? Like, what aspects of the old normal is he stripping away to make way for the new normal? I can remember when my grandpa, 10 years ago, 
was first diagnosed with cancer and it shook up my whole family. I mean, my grandpa was the strongest and, and most godly man I've ever known. And, and he was an old school Christian. Like he would pray in King James version language using thou's and these. And he worked till he was 72. And when he wasn't working at work, he'd be working helping other people. And he was diagnosed with lung cancer. And I began to see this man struggle. First, it was just that he was tired and he couldn't do as much work. Then it was that he began to lose weight. And the chemo was merciless to his body. And I prayed every day that God would save him from his cancer. And God didn't. He didn't save him from his cancer. But I watched as he saved countless others through my grandfather's struggle. My, gra my grandpa witnessed to doctors and nurses and told other people who were sick and sharing his room about how good God had been to him. And it was so difficult for him and for my family in those last days and the years that followed in his, his passing. But, but looking back on that time, I realized that that was a season of pruning for me. That was the start of God doing something incredible in my life. That year when he was diagnosed, I prayed to God more than ever. I surrounded myself in worship through a ministry I was serving in. I, I met my amazing wife, Hannah. And that year, God spoke to me and told me I needed to change my college major from pre-medicine to ministry. And the fruit of that season of pruning is on the screen right in front of you. I'm not saying God caused the cancer. I'm just saying that he used it. And because of my grandpa's final months, because of the way he carried himself in those final days, I am here today preaching to hundreds of people from all over the world thanks to the gift of technology. God doesn't always save us from the struggle, but he can save us through it. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you're at in this season of quarantine, to look to the example of Jesus in the midst of that overwhelming anxiety and anguish, where he says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus went a second and a third time to God and he said, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. In this season of quarantine, if we let God, if we continue to go to God, he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus does this in the face of overwhelming circumstances. He goes to God again and again and again. And I'm reminded of John 15, 4. Where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. You can never step into the new normal God has for you until you step into his grace. And grace, by Dallas Willard's definition, is God's power in us that enables us to do what we cannot do on our own. I want to challenge you this week to step into grace, to spend a full hour away from your devices, away from distractions, and meet with God. For me, one way I do this is by going on a walk or a run and just talking to God, allowing him to speak to me, and, and ask God, what are you pruning off of me in this season? What aspects of the old normal weren't healthy for me, and how are you stripping them away and making way for the new normal? You know, he can begin to plant seeds and prune branches, take away old habits and, and start new ones and challenge us and grow us so that the fruit that comes from this season will last for years to come. Imagine the effect that would have on your family.
Imagine what your kids and grandkids would say when they look back on this time, how, how they would see a people who were utterly dependent on the grace of God to carry them through that overwhelming season and how they let that season shape them into the God followers they are today. May we be a people who rely on Christ as our strength in these difficult times to reshape us, remake us, and prepare us for future glory. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing in us and through us. I pray as we step into this new season of normal, as we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, that this new season of normal would be a place where you have grown us and made us more like you, where you have reshaped habits and the way we live and the way we do things so that we can live more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen.